What's up, church nerds? How's it going? Good to see you guys. It's always such a blessing to see all these beautiful, well, half of your beautiful faces. It's really great. Uh, can we just uh, thank our band for leading us so well this morning? Yeah, yeah, it was excellent. I love being able to serve uh, with all those folks. And uh, we are in week four of a, a series called The Usual Suspects. And uh, what we've been doing essentially is kind of looking through uh, all these biblical characters throughout the book of Genesis that we're kind of mostly vaguely familiar with. And uh, we've been doing a little bit of a deep dive into their stories to kind of see what else there is uh, for us to consider through this whole biblical narrative and see what it can teach us and show us today. Uh, And so we're going to be talking about Jacob today. And so if you've got your Bible, whether it's digital or analog, um, open to Genesis 32. Open to Genesis 32. We're going to be there a little bit later. Uh, my name is Jamie. Uh, if we haven't met yet, or if you're, you're new or you're visiting, or if you're back from vacation and we haven't met yet, hello. Uh, it's good to kind of meet you. Uh, and I'm really excited to kind of jump into God's word with you today. Um, I want to tell you a little story uh, about a girl we met a few years ago who is fighting for her life. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people spend so much of their lives fighting for everything that they have. Anybody else feel like that sometimes? Like you just have to fight for everything in life, for everything you have. Nobody. Great. This sermon is irrelevant. Anybody? Seriously, though, it's just like, it seems like you're always in a struggle or a battle or, or something. There's a kind of a tension that's always happening. Anyone else feel like that sometimes? Okay, a few of you. Good. It's not irrelevant anymore. Uh, and so I want to talk to you about a little girl we met a few years ago. Uh, and here's why there has always been this tension between my wife and I, because she loves babies. She just loves babies. And uh, I happen to be one of the kind of people who think that not all babies are cute. Because they're not. They're not. Oh, man, I got an amen. That's great. I happen to be one of the few who don't, I don't think, I mean, most babies are cute. I'll give you that. I met Allison Dudgeon this week. She's gorgeous. Uh, and I hope that you get to meet her soon too. Most babies are cute, but not all. And so I want to just tell you a little story about why I think. So I want to show you the picture of this little girl. Uh, this picture, she's only about uh, a week or so old. Uh, this little girl we met, we had some friends who uh, were foster parents, and uh, they were were asked to foster this girl right from birth. Their mother had some uh, addiction problems, and this is her. She was born uh, a little bit premature, and uh, she spent basically the first month and a half of her life being weaned off of the drugs that her mom was on during, uh, during the pregnancy. Now, Catherine and I went into the hospital, and we got to meet this little girl, and our friend Liz, uh, who is the foster parent, was having her, and we, we got to feed her and hold her and all that kind of stuff. And so when we got back into the car, in the privacy of our own car, not in front of anyone else, I said to Catherine, that is not the cutest baby I've ever seen. Okay? And, I mean, 
she was fighting for her life. Is what, that was my wife's response. Is, Jamie, you can't say that. She's fighting for her life and, and in many ways that she, she was. But at the time, I didn't necessarily think that she was a very cute baby. Let's fast forward a few months. She's home and she's in a loving, safe home. This is what she looks like. She turned a corner. Uh, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty cute. Actually, let me rephrase. That's very cute. Uh, and then let's fast forward the story about two and a half years later. This is our daughter, Hope. Same girl. Same girl. All three pictures. And so what I once thought was, I won't say ugly, that would be incorrect, but not necessarily a cute baby, is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'm a little biased, but that's the story of our hope. See, many of us were caught in these little and big fights for, throughout our whole lives, right? I mean, there's, there's things going on on, on the world stage in a bigger picture of, you know, we, we think about Afghanistan right now. There are people uh, fighting to, to, to get out of a place that they don't feel safe or in Haiti, there's people fighting for their lives and trying to find loved ones. And so on a, on a bigger scale, and even some of us, we have big struggles and tensions and issues in our lives that we're trying to fight through. And then there are some of the smaller items, the smaller things, the smaller fights and tensions that we have in our lives that are not as important, but there's still fights that we have. For example, the fight between what pet is better, cats or dogs? How many of you, by raising your hand, are like think that dogs are the best pet that a man can have. Raise your hand. You two online, you can do it. Yeah. Now, how many of you are wrong? I mean, how many of you, sorry, how many of you are cat people? Yeah, just see, we've got these, these little fights and these little tensions that happen quite a bit in our, in our own homes, right? Uh, one that happens in our house a little bit is whether to tuck the sheets in at the foot of the bed. My wife is a tucker. I am not. I want to air my feet out while I sleep. I want the freedom of being able to roll around and have whatever limbs flailing outside the bed I want. I don't want to feel like this when I sleep. The, another tension that we have, another fight that we have, is whether pineapple belongs on pizza. No, it doesn't. Ask any Sicilian person if Fruit belongs next to their meat. It does not. No, it's not good. Bunch of crazy. We're going to have a prayer service for those of you who put pineapple on your pizza after. And then, of course, there's whether all babies are cute. And so we've got all of these things going on around us, these little tensions, these, these struggles those of us who wrestle with the big things in life and the small things life. And so here we have this guy named Jacob. He was an example of a guy who had to fight for everything in his life, or so it seemed. And so maybe you, like him, You've got the, the little things in life, right? You're, you've been fighting for that promotion or you have to fight to get good grades or you have to fight for that friendship or you have conversations with your wife about buying a boat. 
We're going to be taking a special offering after service. Or maybe there's bigger fights in your life, like, like fighting for that adoption. Or maybe there are bigger things like financial difficulties or, or, or stress with your spouse or your marriage is on the rocks or there's a diagnosis or a health concern in, in your body or in someone else you love. There are these fights that are going on all around us. And today we want to look at Jacob a guy who, it seems, spent his whole life fighting for everything that he thought he needed and see what it has for us. And so I want to pray for us in a moment. Before I do, I want to uh, say this blessing over us from Hosea 12. It says, even in the womb, Jacob struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and won. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. There at Bethel, he met God face to face. And God spoke to him. The Lord God of heaven's armies, the Lord is his name. So now come back to your God. Act with love and justice and always depend on him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, open our ears and our eyes and our minds and most importantly, our hearts to receive whatever it is that your word has in store for us this morning. God, for those in the room who are wrestling and struggling and questioning and are trying to make their way through the room without all the tension. Whatever the case is, God, may you speak to us and be present with us this morning. And all of God's people agreed and said, Amen. So Jacob was this guy who literally, out of the womb, was struggling to be first. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with the story, uh, Jacob is the second son. He's the youngest twin of a set of twins born to Isaac and Rebekah. And so Esau is, for some of us would know, is the hairy pink baby that came out first. See, not all babies are cute. It's biblical. Esau, look it up. Uh, Esau came out first. And clutching his heel was his younger brother, Jacob. And so right from the get-go, Jacob is trying to, to fight for position. He's trying to fight to be first. Because in the tradition back then is something called primogeniture, which is this tradition that sees the oldest son basically receive the portion the blessing, that the bigger part of the inheritance of all the kids. And so if you were the firstborn son, you receive all the best stuff, if not all the stuff. You get to carry on the family name. You get to carry on the family business. And so Jacob spent most of his life fighting for this. Even out of the womb, he wanted to be first. And then a few years later, Isaac is about to die. He, he's lost his sight. 
and he feels like he's, he's in his last few days and he approaches his oldest son Esau and he says, it looks like I'm on the way out. I want to make sure that I bless you, that I give you what is yours, your inheritance, your, your blessing, your family authority. I want to give it to you. But first, I want you to go out and I want you to go kill this animal and we're going to have a sacrifice, we'll have a party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, because Esau was the firstborn son, he was also Isaac's favorite. And so Jacob had a little bit of an inferiority complex. He was always trying to strive for the affections of his father, for the affirmation of his father. And look, all of us, some of us didn't get that. And so we understand what it means to want and to need the affections and the affirmations of a father. And this is what Jacob spends almost his whole life trying to get on his own power. And so Rebecca, the mom, and Jacob ends up being a little bit of a mama's boy. She tells Jacob, I think he's about to give Esau the blessing. And so Jacob takes it upon himself to dress up like his brother and basically deceive his father, trick his father into thinking that he was Esau. And so Isaac gives Jacob the firstborn blessing. And this doesn't sit well with his dad or his brother. His dad is, is so disappointed in him for doing this, for tricking him in such a way. And Esau says, I'm going to spend my life hunting you down. And I'm going to try to kill you. And so Jacob, having the blessing that he fought so diligently for, he basically flees for his life. Again, fleeing for his life. This is how he wants to spend his time, is always in tension or an argument with someone. Something. So he ends up at his uncle's farm. And for years and years, he ends up helping his, his uncle acquire all of this wealth. And he ends up marrying some of his uncle's daughters, which is also really weird and a sermon for a completely different day. So he ends up marrying the daughters and, and helping him accumulate all of this wealth. And eventually, Jacob says, I'm old enough to be on my own, to take my family and he says to his uncle Laban, he says, I want you to give me what is mine, what I've helped with, what I deserve, and I want to go start my own farm, start my own family business with a blessing, with all the stuff that I've accumulated. And so he actually ends up deceiving his uncle, tricking his uncle into these devious plans by taking all the best goats and rams and cows and all this livestock. And he ends up fleeing the farm with his uncle's daughters and most of his wealth and his livelihood and his way of income. He's basically fighting and in his own strength trying to accumulate all this stuff. And so he finally settles where he is and he hears that his brother Esau is quickly approaching with 400 soldiers and Jacob is thinking, oh, now I fear for my life. Now, what do I do? And so this is what happens in Genesis 32, starting at verse 22. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons, and he crossed the Jabbok River with them. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. 
And so we learn that uh, in a few verses before this, essentially Jacob takes his family and he puts them on the other side of the river to safety so that they don't get hurt in this, this possible squabble that's about to happen between these brothers. But what he ends up doing is splitting his livelihood in two. He, he ends up sending half of his livestock and all of the wealth and all of the, 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 the animals that he had, and he sends them in one direction, and he sends the other half in a completely other direction. And he says, no matter which way Esau is coming, he will be greeted with all of this stuff. And so before he comes to kill me, I'll just try to soften him up a little bit, and hopefully he'll have mercy on me and not kill me because of all this stuff that I've given him. So again, he's trying to get out of it. He's fighting his way out of tension and struggle and disunity. And so then the story gets all WWE on us. Verse 24, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. Right now he has nothing. His family is on the other side of the river. His, his servants and all his livestock and his animals and his wealth are split in two directions. Jacob is left alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. This is like, what? All of a sudden, this guy just comes into the tent, doesn't try to kill him, but they just start to wrestle one another. This is a really bizarre picture. I did not get the pay-per-view notice for this one. Verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip, and wrenched it out of its socket. Now, I grew up as a 90s kid. I was born in the 80s. I won't tell you how early, but I grew up as a 90s kid. And what's when like WWF slash WWE was in its like prime. And I watched every Monday Night Raw and almost every pay-per-view. I was absolutely engrossed in that stuff. I think that that move is illegal. I've never seen someone kind of supernaturally touch someone's hip and knock it out of socket. That doesn't sound legal to me. And so what we get is this sense that this wrestling match between this mysterious man and Jacob, this wrestling match has all of a sudden become supernatural. And Jacob recognizes this, is that this is no ordinary man that I'm, that I'm wrestling with. And so for the guy who has had his fair share of, of fights and struggles and blessing and acquisition of goods is always fighting for more and more. He recognizes by this man's touch on his hip that things are a little bit different in this scenario. And he's going to have to fight for his life in a completely different way. Verse 26. And the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. He says, you're, the man says, you will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. So for the guy who struggled his way out of the womb, and the guy who struggled to fight and to scheme to receive his father's affirmation and ultimately his blessing for the guy who had to fight and strategize to accumulate all the wealth that he had is the same guy who won't give up a physical fight 
in order to save his own life. And all he wants is to be blessed. And so much like our little hope had to do for the first six or seven weeks of her life, had to fight for everything he had. And much like you have to do in the various situations and experiences and relationships in your own lives, you need to fight for them. But we don't, but what we need to recognize is that we don't have to fight God for blessing. We don't have to fight against God to receive blessing. We don't have to earn his favor by our devious plans or receive his provision by, by um, kind of scheming and being deceitful. We shouldn't have to struggle to put food on the table or a roof over our heads when God is our provider. It doesn't work that way. And I'm not saying it should be easy because sometimes it's not. I get that. I've been there. I'm just saying that we shouldn't do that alone. We shouldn't wrestle alone. We shouldn't struggle alone. We shouldn't always be fighting in our own power. So how, right? That's the big question here. Okay, great. You've made a point. Where's the how? Now what do I do? What's the solution? How do I stop fighting in my own strength? How do I stop trying to solve all the problems on my own? How, how do I get through these tensions I think the answer for that is in verse 30. There Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Let me read that again. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been spared. And so I just want to go over some wrestling basics with you for a moment. So I'm going to invite my friend Daniel to come up and he's going to help me show you what I mean and, and what happens when we wrestle. And here in this moment in verse 30, what is happening to Jacob as he is face to face with this man? Because so far, all the consequences in Jacob's life haven't been great. He's, he kind of removed himself from his family after he steals his brother's blessing and he disappoints his father and he upsets his uncle and he fears for his life from his brother. And so there's these, these consequences that don't seem to kind of sink in for Jacob. The more and more he fights in his own strength, the more and more he's giving away and giving up and the more he's losing. And for some of us, it's the same way. We feel that if we struggle with God, that it's a bad thing. It's not. Or that if we question God's timing or question God's purpose, that, that we don't have any faith. Well, that's not true either. Many of us think that if we doubt God's ways, that we're disappointing him. But that's not true either. The truth is when we wrestle with God, there we become face-to-face -face and have an encounter with him. This is what I mean. So, uh, only for these purposes, Daniel will be God. Uh, I will be Jacob. And I want to show you what happens when you begin to wrestle with somebody. I don't know if many of you have grown up watching wrestling like I have, but the first thing you do is something called a grapple, where, where you kind of go like this. 
You, you kind of begin like this and you begin to, to push and test one another's strength. And this is how you begin. Now, take it easy. Don't look me, make me look too bad. Now, you begin to push like this. But what is actually happening is when we are wrestling together, when we are, when we are uh, our, our bodies are pushing against each other, we are actually face to face. When, when we have the questions and the struggles, and the tensions, and sometimes we're fighting in our own strength, and sometimes we're fighting against God, and trying to figure out God, we're missing the encounter with him. But when we push against God, and when we wrestle with him, and when we begin to, when we begin to push against what it is that he wants to say to us, we are actually meeting him face to face. So, when you have questions, when you have doubts, when you're wrestling with things, how are you fighting? Here's the second thing, is that when you are wrestling with God and when you're pushing up against him, when you are in a place of encountering God, when you, when you have your questions that need answers and your answers that need better questions, when you are asking God his plan and his purpose and you finally discover that your encounter with God means that his plan is better than yours, his timing is better than yours, his purpose is better than yours, then you begin to surrender yourself. And when you surrender yourself, what happens? You fall to the ground in a posture that is far more useful. And some of us are just fighting in our own strength. Some of us are just pushing and grappling, and not surrendering what we have and what we think. But when we surrender them, we end up in a posture that where we should have been in the first place, with God. And some of you are, are, have situations in your lives where you're fighting in your own strength. Some of you are, are fighting battles, relationship battles, and you're trying to do it on your own, and you're trying to make it work by yourself. Some of you have financial struggles or health concerns and you're trying to map out your, your future and you're trying to plan for what you think is right and best. But are you doing it in your own strength and in your own timing or are you doing it by encountering God and struggling and wrestling and having tensions with him? Those are all very healthy places to be. But some of us are so afraid but I can tell you that if his, plan, if, we, if, if his word is true and his plans are better and his purpose is better and his timing is better, then surrender your strength to him. Encounter him and you'll end up where you should have been in the first place in a posture of the ultimate strength in our creator. So, what is it that you're fighting against in your own strength? Is it a financial thing or a personal thing or a relationship thing or a marriage thing or a health thing? There are so many situations in this room right now where people are, are, are fighting battles in their own strength. And I encourage you to stop fighting against the tide that is Christ, fighting against his power and his will, and his timing, and his plan, and his purpose, but rather fight with God, not against him. And he will show you 
what is right. All things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That's a promise. It's not just a fancy saying. And so here's what I want to do for the next few moments. And is I would love for some of us who maybe are going through some of those situations. We're going through some of those difficulties, those personal things, those marriage things, those financial things, those health things. What if right now God wanted to speak to your life about those things? What if? What if, not if you just take kind of the, some of these things that we've been saying and you leave and you go home and think about it. What if now was the moment where God wanted to do something incredible in your life? Well, here's what I want you to do. If, if you find yourself in any of those struggles or situations or tensions where you're fighting in your own strength, why don't we take a posture now where God may want to meet us face to face and speak to us prophetically? And so I invite you to maybe kneel at, on the ground if that's you. Maybe you need, just need to turn around and, and kneel on your chair. Or, or maybe you want to take a posture of prayer wherever it is that you're sitting. But I, I want to invite us to do that now. And I want to pray God's word over us. I want to declare some truths that he has put in his word for us today. And then I want to pray for us. And so I welcome you now. Get past the uncomfortability. If you want to take that posture, if you're wrestling in your own strength and you want to begin to surrender it to God who has almighty power, then do that now. And if you are someone who is not on your knees or not praying, then you have a job too. Maybe you need to lay a hand on, on someone's shoulder who is praying. And if you're not comfortable doing that because of all this COVID stuff, maybe just raise a hand towards somebody along with raising your hallelujah and, and just raise a hand saying that you're supporting that person in prayer. And I welcome you to do, to do that now as I, as I speak prophetically God's word over those who are wrestling in our own strength. This is 1 Peter 5. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore and support and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and he is our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and, fo and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge because a river of joy, a river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of most high. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos, and Lord Jesus, they are in chaos right now. And their, their kingdoms crumble. And as God's voice thunders, the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Romans 5, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength. Develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the spirit to fill our lives with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. Lord Jesus, I prophesy health and provision 
over those who are wrestling in their own strength. God, I prophesy your strength and I prophesy uh, what you can give us through answers and asking the right questions. God, I pray that you would fill us with more faith to believe and trust your purpose and your plan and your will for our lives. God, I pray prayer over these people that in no matter what circumstance they find themselves in, that they would start in a place of vulnerability, a posture of prayer so that we're not wrestling against you, but we're wrestling with you. And Lord Jesus, I pray for broken relationships to be restored in Jesus' name, for marriages that are struggling, for relationships that are rocky, for parents that are having a hard time. In Jesus' name, God, we ask that you would give us the power and the fulfillment and the fullness of your spirit and the authority of your son to live and move and breathe to your plan, to your will, to your purpose, to the prayers that you want us to say, to the questions that you want us to ask. In Jesus' name, continue to do work, God, as the band sings over us not with us, but over us. God, may you do something incredible in these next few moments as people cry out to you, as people lay hands on other in affirmation of your spirit, as others lift their hands in both worship and support of their brother and sister who is going through something. We don't need to know the details because you do. That's more important. And Jesus, we ask that you would do something incredible and transformational and changing this morning.